Hello, and welcome to Thriving Educators. I'm Brian Langley. In this episode, I speak with Kathleen Ader, an NCSD instructional coach with over 20 years of experience, primarily as a high school science teacher. Kathleen is National Board Certified, Google Level 2 Certified, our system admin for Schoology, and my go-to person for effectively integrating technology into the classroom. She has been an indispensable asset during the pandemic. Today we discuss how teachers can put their best digital foot forward as they build their digital spaces to support their physical classrooms. Enjoy. Kathleen Ader, welcome to the show. Hey, Brian. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So, Kathleen, as I think back to March of 2020, I feel like the pandemic forced educators into the virtual learning deep end, to use a swimming metaphor. Certainly, some educators were already there, but for the vast majority of us, this was new territory. And I feel like our district has probably come a long way in the last two and a half years. We've been in person since the fall of 2020, but you in particular have had a unique lens to view this growth. You're one of the district's instructional coaches and one from the beginning that had the inside track on the digital tools our district had in place to assist our virtual learning. So I wonder as we approach a new semester, two things really. What have we learned about virtual learning and what are the essential keys for an educator to be putting their best digital foot forward? And let's start with that first part. As you think back over the past two years, what are the main takeaways from our splashing around in the virtual learning waters? Well, the first thing is, uh, I can't believe how fortunate we were here in Novi that we already had some digital tools in place. And so we weren't scrambling to choose a vendor um, and to roll out training for, for most of our grade levels. And so for us, that product was Schoology, and all of our teachers, 712, at least had already know already knew how to use that platform. And I think once uh, we dived in, we, we certainly did learn a lot of lessons, but I really, um, I think there were four big themes or key takeaways that really seemed to percolate to the surface. Um, I think one of the biggest ones for our teachers is the importance of organization. And I think sometimes digital learning can be more like our physical classroom brick and mortar spaces than we realize. And one of those is organization. When we think about our, our physical classrooms, we have a, a way that we've organized um, our, our own teacher tools, what our students use, and I think when we look at a digital space, we need to have also some really strong, robust, obvious systems of organization. And I think that varies depending on the age level of the audience that those the students in front of you um, are and your discipline. So certainly an elementary teacher is going to organize her digital tools or his digital tools in a very different way than a middle school teacher may choose to do and very different than a high school teacher. And we may even see some division between a ninth grade teacher and a 12th grade teacher on how they choose to organize their classes uh, in a digital space. But that might be by learning units, very traditional unit one, unit two. It might be by genres. 
If we're looking in an ELA class, um, it might be by subjects. If it's an elementary classroom where we might have math and reading and writing and science and social studies um, all in one digital classroom. And many of our teachers also have chosen to do week by week because they feel that that really keeps students knowing where to go um, and what is the current set of information. And so sometimes we see classrooms um, where we aren't using organization uh, and I feel like they kind of look like a garage sale uh, where we've kind of just dumped some stuff on some tables and um, and we've labeled maybe that it belonged to unit one or that it belongs with argumentative writing or belongs with um, uh, weather, but um, it really is best if we are really keeping those things housed um, in an appropriate folder. Okay, so I imagine that um, this entails like some planning ahead. So when you think to, we have second semester coming up here, a couple weeks. So if I wanna be better organized, uh, I need to think about how best is second semester going to look on my Schoology page or whatever, my Schoology site, whatever site that somebody happens to be using. For me, um, that's units, unit folders is what I've been using to organize my classroom for the most part. And I find it interesting that you, you have, you've seen some of these other things that probably work too, like, um, like by week even. So do you have any tips um, as somebody goes into second semester about um, how to think through how to organize their class? Depending on the age level, a great tip would be asking your audience. So, you know, for you, Brian, if you were to say to your students who are, you know, middle to upper high school, like, hey, this is how I've been doing it. I, I'm aware that you have teachers that do it differently. What do you prefer? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's interesting to gather that feedback. Um, maybe at the at the younger levels, um, it might be more appropriate to ask the parents and or whoever the learning partners are that these students might have at home um, what seems to be a better fit. Um, because what works for our teenage students might be very different for the parent of maybe a virtual first grader who's kind of sitting and helping them at home. So I think thinking about and maybe speaking with your audience in terms of what they like, if that's appropriate at the age level, um, can certainly be a good starting point. Yeah, and then um, inside my folders, I, I number the lessons. So for example, I might have, I'm currently teaching a unit called Unit 1D, which is on waves. But so my lessons, or no, my assignments in that folder would go like unit or U1D.1 and U1D.2 and U1D.3. And so I do feel like that helps keep me organized, but also then helps the students realize, okay, we're on this one and this is what's come before it. You've seen that similar thing work too, I assume. It does. And different teachers can utilize those types of like nesting conventions differently but I definitely believe that having an internal organizational system is helpful as well. Some teachers use dates uh, mm -hmm. because possibly they may even have, you know, where a lesson 
is multi-day. Um, so they might say this is happening from 1-10, January 10th through January 14th, and that's where people are, uh, students are looking. Um, but some sort of internal nesting, whether it's lesson numbers, and specifically, like I think about my sixth graders' math lessons, and they're, you know, lesson 1.1, lesson 1.2, very sequential like that. So it might look very different in different classes, but again, as long as it's obvious what that system is to the learner. Okay, so your number one tip is organization. Uh, what's tip number two? Tip number two would be easy access for the learner. And again, you're going to hear me say a, a thousand times that it varies based on the age level of the audience. But we want to make sure that, that students have easy access to what's currently happening. So what we don't want is students to have to scroll, scroll, scroll to reach the current happenings in your digital classroom. And while at the high school, our classrooms are semester in length, one semester, um, some of our buildings have year-long classes. So you can imagine if you just keep adding, 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 everything automatically adds to the bottom and students might have to scroll pretty far. So I love when teachers keep the current happenings at the top of their course so that their course is really in reverse chronological order. And I think that makes things really easy for students because they don't need to scroll. However, they can if they needed to access past information. So that's one big one. And I really love when teachers um, have the current or active folder in a different color. So that really draws that eye, whether it's the student or the parent or another learning partner, but really draws their eye to this is where the action's at. And initially, when even when I started first started using Schoology, I loved being all science geek and doing Roy G. Biv and having my folders all colored of the rainbow. But in hindsight, after watching how things have, have played out in the pandemic, I really think um, detracting from information that students don't need to be currently looking at, so using a very plain color, maybe a white or a black, something generic, and then something really right and, and different that draws their eye to what's happening right now, I think is a great tip. And then the other one that we use here in Novi uh, are these daily or weekly agendas that very um, purposefully tell the student what they need to do that day or that week. Um, and we use that as a really great tool to communicate um, not only what's happening today, but by keeping those agendas in one file, uh, students who maybe are quarantined or are not able to be in person or not able to, to log online on a certain day are able to look back, to scroll back or click back in a, in a slide deck and find that information on for those days that they missed. And I think that that's really, I, I just can't stress enough how important those are um, for our students 
the parents and any other learning partners. Um, that's probably one of the most common things that I hear from parents that they love and then also a source of frustration when uh, there is a classroom where those aren't maintained or kept up to date or really don't offer very much information. Yeah, I was I was not a teacher prior to March of 2020 that posted a daily agenda and it was it was something new for me. I almost like to have my classrooms be a bit of a surprise, which I've come to find out like some students don't really really do like to have the have a concrete agenda available for them um, but now that we've been doing this agenda now that we've been required to do it I am totally sold sold on the agenda I love it I love that it's digital it's always in the same place kids can go back and check days days before like, what did we do last Wednesday go check the agenda and um, you know when when we have students that are out or when I when I have a guest teacher um, the agenda has the lesson plan for the day um, and it also has links to important things that kids might need all year long. It has, my, mine in particular, has, um, you know, upcoming dates of quizzes or assessments or big things that are due. And so, you know, I feel like my agenda has evolved in the year and a half that we've been making them and is super useful. So thank you for pushing us in that direction. And yeah, your second point then was easy access. And I get it. I'm going to start making my like my live folder the, the 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 fun color so i appreciate that too yeah. all right and then you know I, yeah. I, I should add that when we think about the other end of the spectrum our, our elementary students some of that does look a little bit different some of them use a little bit more of those uh, maybe bitmoji classroom pages published on schoology some might use um, what we call buttons that are used on schoology pages um, so still maintaining that easy access for students, but again, it definitely can look different based on the age level of student. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so that's number two. What's your number three? Number three is an oldie but a goodie um, that I know both of us will remember from our days in college, but it's just KISS. Do you remember what KISS stands for, Langley? Uh, is that keep it simple, stupid? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Keep okay. it stupid, simple, keep it simple, stupid, whichever way you remember it. Um, I think we, we need to sometimes simplify for our students. What we don't realize is sometimes we probably offer too much information and a lot of times we're offering too many clicks. Yeah. So I recommend that um, teachers might think about setting up like a previous unit folder and, and they maybe just keep dragging and nesting previous prior folders into that folder so that there's less stuff kind of cluttering up their landing page. Okay. Um, and sometimes less, you know, so for students to get overwhelmed when they're looking at it. Um, so that can be helpful. And again, probably even more important when we think about our younger learners um, the importance of removing distractions is probably really, really big. Um, I've seen a lot at high school, the, the myriad of clicks. And so simplifying how we are launching those lessons for kids. Sometimes our teachers will have a click for the worksheet for today 
and then a click for the answer key for that worksheet and then maybe still a different click is, is where they would have accessed the notes. And so Schoology offers this really awesome feature called a page. And, and initially I even didn't use it myself until I really realized how versatile uh, a page can be. And so by using a page, you could title a page for your lesson, let's say lesson 2.1 and you could put everything you need for lesson 2.1 on that one page. Uh, video notes, um, a worksheet, uh, you could come back the next day and maybe add the answer key to it. Um, but the beauty of it is that it reduces the amount of clicking for kids. And so sometimes our kids get lost in the nesting of organization that we're using. So keeping it stupid simple um, and maybe using a page instead of just a link. I think maybe we overuse sometimes our, our links to things that are in our Google Drive because it's easiest or maybe quickest. Um, but again, we're, we're really adding to levels and layers of frustration for our students, our parents, and learning partners. Okay, so sometimes, Kathleen, for assignments, I, I use the assignment function in Schoology and that'll give me a little window that pops up and in the window the students will see um, you know to do this um, here is the link to the um, the practice problems and here is a link to the key and here is a link to the video answer key and even though it's not a page like you're talking about it's all there on one little um, window frame for them is is that is that an option of what you're considering to be like a good practice I think that's awesome because okay. again it's all in one place obviously these are different files so we can't all necessarily merge everything into into one file type I think that's a fabulous example um, that you can use all right, I good. know a lot of our teachers use that with like turnitin.com they might include a video of how to submit all within the assignment they might also include an example of a rubric that they're using to grade within that assignment direction space. And they might even include a link to like an exemplar. Um, so I think that's a fabulous uh, example of how you can keep it um, simple for students. All right, great, so that was number three. So what's your number four? Uh, both, you know, lesson that we've learned from the past year and a half and just tip for um, helping put your best digital foot forward. Communication is always like a great thing. And I don't know that we can ever really be in a space where we're communicating too much with our learners and their, and their families. So I love when teachers at the start of a semester, like we're going into, or the start of a year, um, offer their students a, a walkthrough for their digital space. And again, that's not unlike what we would have done traditionally in our brick and mortar classrooms, right? You would walk your students through, this is where you're gonna find, um, you know, the manipulative spin, this is where we find the scissors, the glue sticks, um, periodic tables, all these various tools. So if we do that and we spend that time to walk our students through what our digital classroom look, looks like, I think that's very helpful also great if you can record that and offer that for your parents and learning partners 
I think that's another you know amazing tip. Again, that daily weekly agenda is such a great communication tool. Um, so making sure that you have that targeted information that our learners need, that you're being as specific as you need to be, but also not, not overwhelming. I love the course calendar. Love, love, love the course calendar for, for letting people know about upcoming events. And I think sometimes we as teachers are hesitant to use it because things change. And as teachers, you, you do so much on the fly and you make changes based on the needs of your students um, in the moment. But we can use that course calendar as, as a guide, um, as, as a list of tentative dates. Um, and then you can just drag those dates around. So you may not know when your, um, you said unit 1D on WAVES, you may not know exactly what day you're going to have that assessment, but maybe you're estimating it's going to be on January 23rd. So put it on the calendar, January 23rd. As you get closer, maybe you drag that to the 24th. But I think it's still helpful to kind of give people that idea of when, when things are coming. Um, what I love about it as a parent, I have two, two young learners um, in Schoology. When I log in as a parent, I can see everything that's coming up in my household. So I see that my older child has this coming up, coming up, but I also see what my younger son has coming up. So that's really helpful um, to our families. Yeah, that is the course calendar is something that I have not dug into yet. Um, I tend to use my agenda to to um, alert kids to things that are coming up. But if it's as good as you say it is, I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. So, all right, second semester, I'm going to dive into course calendar. Yeah, and you can even tell your students um, and families, like, hey, these, these are tentative. You know, don't lock me in anything. I'm not making any promises. Mm -hmm. um, the update feature is another great one. Uh, you know, when you just need to get some information out, but maybe you don't want to spend the time to draft an email through PowerSchool to send out to everyone. You know, an update can be a great feature. Maybe your update is simply um, that you moved your test, that you moved that Unit 1D test from the 23rd to the 24th. You move it on the calendar, but maybe you tell them that in an update. When you, when you make an update, does that email all the students? It depends on how they have their notification settings set okay. up in their, in their profile, um, but it for sure gives everybody the bell notification. Mm -hmm. And it also gives them the little loca uh, update like icon next to the word update in the Schoology course. So it gives them those notifications. Okay. But, you know, really, again, it just goes back to that keeping it stupid, simple, but communicating as much as we can. So when we move, dates around um, or letting people know what what's on the horizon uh, I think that that is really helpful um, for all learners but really when we think about our students that um, have been challenged the most by the pandemic I think um, that ad additional partnership with um, families by um, really upping our communication um, can go a long way to helping those students. That makes a lot of sense. And as you talked about um, KISS, 
and you were talking about this we, we, like this balance between we want to be communicating well but we don't want to be overwhelming them with um, with information we want to have as much up there in our digital space that kids can use but we want to do it in a way that's organized um, it's almost like the kiss would be like keep it smartly simple you know yeah like, I like we want to keep it simple but in a smart way I don't Maybe we can recoin that phrase. Okay, so to go back over though, your four keys so that we can put our best digital foot forward next semester. Organization, organization. Easy access, like with those agendas and the different color folders. Um, KISS, keeping it simple. And then really thinking through how we communicate with our students and potentially getting into that course calendar and I could see that that would be a, that seems like such a, a positive thing for, for a parent to know what's coming up, having three school-age kids myself. For sure. Right. And maybe it, it will help, you know, parents to not get that 10 p.m. at night when your child says, you know, I need a poster board for tomorrow. Right. You, you know, knew that ahead of time. Yeah. All right. Thank you, uh, Kathleen, so much. Anytime. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Langley. Okay, that wraps up another episode of Thriving Educators. I want to send a big thank you to Kathleen Ader for sharing her expertise with me. I feel like I have some things to work on as I prepare to put my best digital foot forward heading into this next semester. Take care, everyone.